Welcome to the Consume Church Weekly Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message, Desire Fulfilled, part two of the Blessed Life series by Pastor John. For any further information about this message or the ministries of Consume Church, you can check us out at theconsumechurch.com. How's everybody doing today? Having a good week? I missed being with you last week. Every time we're not together, uh, I'm, I, I wish I was here because there's just something about seeking God together and being in one another's presence that I'm getting addicted to. Uh, like Linda was saying, you know, Wednesday nights, Tuesday nights, uh, there is even a, a Monday night class or, or group, home group. Um, but anyways, I just love being with the saints of God. I'm, I feel so much better when I'm with you. I feel like me and, uh, I'm not fully me without being in connection to you. Hey, Paula, how are you doing this morning? I really like the jacket. Hey, Roman, I'm ringing up here real bad. Is there any way to get rid of the ring? So we've been talking about the blessed life. We've been in a series called The Blessed Life, and we've been uh, taking that from uh, Matthew chapter 5 from the Beatitudes. And uh, I've uh, covered a little ground with the word Beatitude. That's a Latin word. It's beatus, which means blessed. And uh, Jesus' declaration of what it means to be blessed. And so that in the Greek, it's makarios. And makarios was a word talking about affluence. And uh, as Jesus began uh, preaching and teaching and releasing and acting the kingdom of God, his message was that God's rule and his reign had come to earth finally. And that all other systems of rule and reign, specifically the reign of sin and death, uh, were now over and being taken over by the reign of God. And so as he taught the Sermon on the Mount, the very first thing that he really taught was uh, starts off with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He's actually initiating and outlining the value system of this new kingdom that is coming to bear upon all of humanity. Because in and through Jesus Christ, we have become a new humanity. And so in a sense, he's defining what it means to be fully human as recovered through the power and the love of Jesus Christ. So we did uh, poor in spirit, blessed, affluent, high up in the value system are those who are able to be poor in spirit. We did um, blessed are the, um, come on, John, (laughs) the second one. (laughs) No, Meek was last week. Uh, Poor in spirit, uh, blessed are those who mourn. Thank you. And... um, I remember feeling, those of you who are here for the blessed are those who mourn, that for they shall be comforted. It's a promise of the comfort of God. And those of you that were here remember that, man, the Lord was just in the room uh, issuing out comfort. And I think that there was the opportunity there for a moment to step into uh, just weeping. I had an acronym for that was about weeping, you know, because the word says to weep with those who weep and also what rejoice with those who rejoice. So that's this kind of a day. This is a rejoice with those who rejoice kind of day. Last week, uh, Matthew talked about being fully surrendered. Uh, So he did the blessed are the meek, 
uh, power under control rather than having control be surrendered. So this week we're looking at being filled, the promise of Jesus that blessed are those, affluent, high in the value system of the kingdom of God are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, we're, the title of my message is Desire Fulfilled. And in this life and in the kingdom that has ruled and reigned on earth for so long, human desire being fulfilled is something that we chase after. And many of us still chase after. How many of you know that there are people that have come to the place where they have so much money and so much fame and they still are not fulfilled. But they've filled their lives up with every kind of thing that you can imagine and they are still miserable. The promise on the kingdom of God and on this new humanity that is yours through Jesus Christ is that the desire, if you align your desire with the kingdom's desire, that you can and will come to a place where you are completely fulfilled, where your desires are satiated by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Is that a great promise or what? All right, so I want to unpack what that means. To be filled. Now many of you know that being in a catch-the-fire church, there's no telling the way this is going to go. And so, Lord, right now, if you guys would just agree with me, put your hands out. Father, we love you so much. Lord, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus for what you've done. And we thank you for your promises. And Lord, I'm asking that you fully realize for us today the depths of your word, Lord. We're asking that you come and you fill us up. Lord, we want to live full and full of you every day of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Huh. So let's look at a couple of these words there in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. <laughs> so the word hunger in the Greek means to crave ardently. To seek with eager desire. How many of you have ever craved anything ardently and gone after it? with desire. Maybe like a favorite beef jerky you can only get in the West Texas. <laughs> Fill in the blank. There's all kinds of things, right? And then in the Greek, thirst. Dipseo. Painfully feel want of. And eagerly long for. Those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, and strengthened. That's what it means to hunger and thirst biblically in this sentence right here. Y'all remember the passage in Isaiah 55? It's, it gets brought up every time we talk about thirsting, I think, and hungering. But Isaiah 55, 1 and 2, the first two verses there, the prophet says, Ho! Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. <laughs> and you who have no money, Wait a minute. 
I'm very left brain. <laughs> I'm just going to time out a minute. I'm very left brain. And uh, I'm very much into exegesis of the Bible properly. And we're going to do that. Uh, but you know what? Sometimes we need to have a full encounter. When we were singing earlier about my heart uh, and my mind. So you have the right side of your brain is all about the mind and the left side is all about your heart. I, I feel like there's a little bit of left brain action going to happen today. So just warning you. All right. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And this sentence is very important. And let your soul delight in abundance. There's stuff that we can't buy that is what we really need. And so right here, this idea of being filled, of desire fulfilled, even in the Old Testament, and the prophet Isaiah addresses this, let your soul delight itself in abundance. Meaning that in God, there is more than enough for you of what you need to truly satisfy you. Our whole world, our whole economy here is set up of things that we use to satisfy ourselves. And if I'm being honest with you, most of our need to satisfy ourselves comes from the results of the kingdom that is still lingering as the kingdom of God is taking over where sin and death reigns because of trauma and things that have been done to us we actually soothe and intake things to make us numb the pain or feel, feel better about our condition. And yet God wants to go right to the heart of where we're at and promise that He'll fix everything by filling us up with Himself. Hallelujah. So, here's my acrostic so that you will remember. What does it mean for our soul to delight in abundance? It's joy. True joy is where we're satisfied. Filled. So, this is the war chest. Anybody notice this sitting over here? This is the war chest. This is going to be a regular part uh, of Sunday morning. Because I think that we get into Sunday morning routine and it, it becomes uh, very much a part of a, a religious ceremony. Check in the box, we went to church. And so if I sense that the timing is right and the Lord is trying to do something, but there's religious spirits, how many of you know that our biggest warfare, I think, is just religious spirits? <laughs> At least in this region anyways. So, there's lots of stuff in that chest to offend every religious spirit that would come through the door. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, J and my acrostic. 
for our soul and life, there's just one thing you need. Just, let's go with the just. Just one thing you need. So when I bring up the word just, I'm talking about the righteousness. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. This word just, it's, it's being justified by Christ's gift of love and forgiveness and getting your life right as a result of our response to his love and his grace and his gift. Last night we watched uh, Redeeming Love. Has anybody seen that movie yet? Nobody's seen that movie? Like show of hands? Oh, okay. A dozen. I love that depiction of the gospel. There's ways in which we can preach the gospel that fall very short of the justification and this righteousness thing that we see. But you have been made righteous because Jesus decided that He loves you so much to rescue us and pull us out and of our sin and our shame and our prison and the things that we get ourselves tangled in and to cleanse us and make us His own, take us to His own home. So in the movie, it, it's uh, based off of the book of Hosea. For those of you that don't know, there's a, a house of ill repute in town. It's set up in the 1800s in a western mining town. And all the gold diggers come into the house of ill repute. And there's a woman that had been um, a slave, basically, a prostitute from a very young age. And uh, to the point where it was part of her identity, she just, you know, that was her life. Miserable, but yet used to it and almost happy being there. And this Christian guy sees her walking down the street and decides, oh, love at first sight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry that woman. And completely pure, he made several attempts to go and see her, not in an impure way, but to go see her, to pay money to go see her, to rescue her and talk her into marrying him. And it wasn't until she was uh, beaten silly by her abusers that barely looking out of two beat up eyes that she said, yeah, okay, sure, take me out of here. And um, he got her to his farm and he began to court her. And uh, she kept feeling like, you know, her currency was to pay him back with what she had to give. And he said, I don't want that. I just want to show you love. And uh, even when she tried, so she ran off a couple times and he would go get her or she would come back and just so precious the way that he would clean her feet, you know, and, and um, she had blisters all over her feet. And as he washed her feet and took care of her. Anyways, it was such an amazing depiction of the gospel, but we're justified because Christ has actually chosen to rescue us and pay the price for us to be set free from our prison. Hallelujah. That's justification because he said so. Not because we did anything other than say yes. No one is ever going to go to hell for what they did. You realize that? The only reason why anybody's going to go to hell is because they've refused to receive the gift of Jesus' love and to live in a relationship with Him where He shares His life with them. That's all God wants to do is He wants to share His life with us. As a matter of fact, it's the essence of who God is. And I thought about getting really technical uh, right brain. And I, Does anybody know what the word perichoresis means? 
circum in session. <laughs> That's a Latin word, so I won't go there. But it has everything to do with this, you know, when we sing Emmanuel, God with us, that was the incarnation of Jesus coming to earth. And yet we think that it's all about God with us. No, God is wants to be in us more than just with us. He's made us a part of himself. And he's opened himself up and brought us in. And it is our response to open up and allow him to come in. We have a choice in that. In that movie, one of the last things that, uh, the last time that Angel, that was the woman in, in the movie, had, had run off, um, he refused to go after her. And he was agonizing in prayer. Oh, Lord, should I go after her? And the Lord wouldn't let him go. And uh, people said, "Why? what's wrong with you? You need to go after her. And he said, she's got to want it. She's got to want it. And uh, eventually she returns and they wind up having a life together where she's able to miraculously, well, I don't want to spoil the end, but anyway, she's able to embrace him. And <laughs> Spoiler alert. Everybody's like, well, we don't need to see it now. Oh, it's funny. Anyways, that is, that is justified. Let's read some scripture about that. It just matters that we have a response. Some people believe that you know, Christ came and he magically from the beginning of the world decided who would and who wouldn't come to him. But yet he, in his grace and mercy, has decided everyone has full right to embrace Jesus. But because he made you powerful, he made you with a will, you get to respond to him. Second Corinthians 5.17, very familiar passage. I'm going to title this Paul Defining the Terms of the Relationship. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And then he goes on to talk about all the ways in which he has embraced the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation, justification, righteousness, all those words kind of relate to one another. But being reconciled to God means becoming one with him and being part of his very life. Anyways, Paul rattles on to talk about all the things that him and his uh, fellow apostles are doing for them in the relationship between the church and him. And then chapter 6, verse 12, so this is, I don't know, 8, 10 verses later, he said, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. And that word restricted is like the opposite of being filled. Basically, Paul's saying, look, your affections actually control how much of this is working for you? 
by what you desire. And so there's this need for us to adjust the way in which what we have affection for and what we desire. James chapter 1, James says this, Let no one say when he's tempted that I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. God's got nothing to do with any of that. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. There's that desire word. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And this is the world that we were born into, where sin and death ruled and reigned on the earth. And the hook in which it gets into our life is by desire, tempting us to place our affection on things. And so God doesn't do that to anybody, James says. We do that to ourselves. And all of us, like sheep, have gone astray because we're vulnerable. God made us wonderful, but He also made us vulnerable because He made you to have affection and desire so that it could be fulfilled with this thing we call righteousness, justification, reconciliation. Y'all follow me? Okay, that was the heavy part. I'm not going to get heavy anymore. <laughs> but what are we hungry for? What do we desire? What are we craving? You know, it's funny. We go, we'll go out to uh, lunch or we'll get ready. Me and my wife will be hungry. Y'all ever do this? You're both starving. Not literally starving, but extra hungry. And what do you want to eat? I don't know. I don't know. That Mexican yesterday. That Chinese last week. I don't know. And we'll just sit there and not eat anything because we can't make up our mind what we want to eat. Wind up eating crackers and cheese or something. And then later going, oh, that didn't, that didn't do the trick. But I feel like God is asking us, hey, what are you hungry for? Better question is, what is God serving up? It's funny, people come to church for all kinds of reasons. Are we hungry for Jesus? Or do we have ulterior motives? I think that it matters. So this just finishing this one point about being justified. It really does matter that we understand that Jesus said, if you will desire, if you will hunger and thirst, earnestly desire for righteousness, for this reconciliation with God, for the removal of all the stuff, the bondage, the brokenness, the misplaced affections, the cravings for things that don't belong to us as a believer, that He actually, the blessing, there's a promise that, that it is a blessing that is on this. If you will desire it, it will absolutely be fulfilled. You ever run into folks that say, well, I'm just like that. Live out their Christian life for 20, 30, 40 years and say, well, you know, that's just how I am. I'm that way. And just refuse to deal with their stuff. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. It's a promise. So there's none of us can say, well, you know, I'll just go 
Someday when I go to heaven, I'll finally get rid of this. And I mean, some of that is true. But he wouldn't have said, be perfect as I am perfect. He didn't mean it. (laughs) And you're not going to get there by trying to alter your behavior. The only way that you get there is by changing your desire. It's being filled up on the right stuff. Y'all tracking with me? Anyone can change. The promised state of blessedness is upon those who cultivate the the desire to see it manifest. Mm. Desire fulfilled. Ah. Just one thing you need. One thing. Jesus is righteousness. Hallelujah. We need to develop a hunger for Jesus himself. So it's funny, when I was um, filling myself with all kinds of desires, I was like 18 years old, getting in trouble, getting into everything. Women, alcohol, drugs, the whole, the whole thing. Anger, filling myself up with every kind of thing that was no good for me. And uh, in my misery and in my pit, the Lord came to me and He spoke to me. He made me a promise. Because I, I had had so many girlfriends and stuff and it would never work out. I'd start dating somebody and it was always just tragic. And um, But what, what the Lord started tapping into my heart and said, what's really going on there is I've put a desire in you for companionship. But I hold the keys to that. And he said, you will not find her out here until you get back in church. And I heard the Lord even being, you know, there are people that are in the gutter that God is speaking to. God's speaking to everybody all the time. Realize that, right? (laughs) Oh, it's just funny because I thought, okay, awesome. So I went to church. I went to Restoration Church. And there was a youth pastor there. I don't know that I was there 10 minutes. I had hair down to hair and I might have been stoned. I don't know. I don't know how far I made it in that door, but that youth pastor busted me right out the door and said, you don't belong here. You need to get out of here. And I know we can go, oh, oh my gosh. No one should ever do that in church. That's awful. I am so thankful that that man did that. And I didn't even remember that until I saw him on the stage about a month ago. (laughs) But I know that guy. <laughs> Turns out it's Carrie Job's dad. <laughs> uh, what a man of God. I'm glad that he did that. You know, maybe the Lord told him to do that. I don't think that would be common practice to run anybody out of your church, but I needed to hear that. Here's why. I wanted the promises of God, not God himself. You were worth it, babe. Hmm. That was the second youth group I got kicked out of for the same reason. 
Oh, without telling the whole story of our love story, I actually surrendered to God. I came to the end of my rope and said, Lord, I just need you. Like, I need you, God. I need you. And he said, now we're talking. And he began to unravel my mess and deliver me. I went back to church because I wanted God and God alone. Once I had done that, everything was going good. I said, hey, Lord, didn't you uh, mention something about a mate? And he said, oh, yeah, but I'm not going to give you one of my daughters to ruin until you learn how to treat women right. And I submitted to the process. I said, okay, what what are we doing here? He sent me to the Christian bookstore and I found a book, uh, a marital book. I think it was called If Only He Knew. And man, it, I learned all kinds of stuff. It was really for counseling for marriages that are broken. But uh, I learned invaluable things about a woman that I had no idea. About a woman and also relationships in general. Key things. My mom and my sister, the Lord said, well, you, you're going to learn how to treat the women in your life right first. I'm going to see some track record here. And so I did. They thought they hit the lottery. Boy, I was washing their cars and opening doors and cooking dinner and washing the dishes. <laughs> I did. That's between me and God. Because there's something that he may tell you like that, that it's your responsibility to work out what, you're, what God's doing in your life. Some people are over there with their arms crossed in church. Well, everybody else gets God, but I don't get God. Why does God speak to you and he doesn't speak to me? I'm about to start throwing rubber ducks in the crowd. (laughs) Is that a rubber ducky moment? Okay, hold on. This is the war chest. And from now on, (laughs) you know what? Rubber duckies. I just hit my daughter. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to put that up. I don't know that it's time yet to open the war chest. I haven't even started talking about the warfare part of it. So. (laughs) There's all kinds of reasons why people go to church. You know? I mean, I think on some level there's some sincerity for sure. But I think that there's this need to actually dig inside and go, why am I doing it? Am I checking a box? Does this make me feel like I've done my religious duty? Am I actually coming to grow and learn more about God, to interact with God, to have an encounter with God that changes my life? One time I, I uh, got injured at work, and I had, you know, I had a back injury. And it seemed to be a recurring theme in my life that uh, I would always get um, authority over me that was the hardest Oh, you know, and I, and so I went to this place that was, did physical therapy and everybody had their own personal therapist and, and my, <laughs> and my physical therapist was hard on me. And I saw the rest of the therapists were all in this big table and they're just cutting up playing cards while their patients are just kind of, and mine's got me over there like lifting all this weight and doing all the, you know, 45 minutes of stretching and it, but what I discovered was that in talking with some of the other patients, you know, they're milking a, a lawsuit or something. 
I'm like, I got to get back to work. I'm not looking to sue anybody. I make more money than I could possibly dream of suing somebody from by outputting with my hands. And so I had to get in there and actually take my therapy seriously. And man, when I come out, I was buff. For somebody with a back injury, it was great. I got back into working out through that and everything. But what I mean by that is we get out of it what we put into it. Spiritual things are no different. This one thing. Remember, (laughs) just one thing you need. We're on the one thing. Psalm 27. Verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord. This I will seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. To behold the beauty of the Lord. That's it. This is David writing this. David had discovered this amazing relationship with Yahweh that wasn't about fulfilling a religious duty. It was about being in love with God. This one thing, this one thing I've desired of the Lord. I may dwell in his house and behold his beauty. We need to behold his beauty to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, here's your warfare. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. There's something about this desire fulfilled where we learn how to actually offer ourselves. We sang that song, you provide the fire, I'll provide the sacrifice. That's our part. That we would actually embrace the joy of the Lord. Anybody up for some of that? Are you sure? I need some more rubber ducks. How about clown nose? Anybody need a clown nose? You're fixing to get the clown nose. That word inquire, bakar, means to seek, to plow, to break forth, to inspect. There's something about our inquiring of the Lord, of our seeking His beauty, to gaze upon His beauty that looks like a little bit of work. Plowing. Investigating. I think that the church is full of casual observers. You know what I mean? Been there and done that for years. I really feel like the Lord wants to take us to a place where as a group, we're able to plow together to actually discover His presence, to gaze upon the Lord's beauty. Now that's not something that necessarily happens in the physical. This is something that happens as you break through in the Spirit and the Spirit of God begins to take over in the room. So it's a little, there's a little bit of trepidation on my part to take a 
a group of people there. I'm learning how to steer the ship, so to speak. It's one thing you need. <laughs> there it is. It's one thing you need. Like you need this. Psalms 84 says this, verse 2. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. There's something about your body. The way that God has designed you, that you actually need God. Not in theory. Not to make you feel better about yourself. Uh, to absolve guilt by talking yourself into however you want to look at it. You actually need an encounter from God where the Holy Spirit rests on you and touches your physical flesh. Is anybody following me? So on Wednesday nights, we've decided, it, it took us a little bit of time. <laughs> oh, Joseph's got the rubber duck on his head. We've, we've decided and figured out that there's plenty of teaching going on here on Sunday mornings. We do our corporate worship. Um, Tuesday nights, we're teaching Bible classes. We're, we're digging in deep. People are growing. But on Wednesday at my house, we eat together, we laugh together, and then we begin to do a little bit of worship, but we just want to find out whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do, we let Him do. And that, that's the time that... Okay, so Sunday morning typically, here's, here's our thing, is that we as a kingdom of priests, we minister to the Lord. And we do that here on Sundays. But on Wednesdays, we allow the Lord to minister to us. Not that He doesn't minister here on Sundays. But I'm busting it up, mixing it up. I think that there needs to be a balance of that happening here. Who could use a touch from God? Who wants a touch from God? <laughs> okay. You can have as much or as little as you want. That's what that being filled thing is. We're actually governed by our own affections. So maybe right now, Where's my worship team at? I saw him start moving around. <laughs> I think the first thing to do would be to offload. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now and say, you know what? I'm better than that. Fill in the blank. Could be tobacco, could be alcohol, could be TV, could be things I don't want to talk about. Could be anything. Could be tacos. I love tacos too much. That's why we fast. When we go on a fast, it's because we're quieting our flesh down and actually allowing our spirit man to feed on the Lord. That's why we should fast. Not trying to manipulate God into doing something. Isaiah 12, 3 says this, Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Ephesians 3, 19 says this, To know the love of Christ. It's that prayer. Paul prays that, that you know the height and the depth and the width of His love. To know the love of Christ, which 
passes knowledge that you may be filled, what? With all the fullness of God. That's what perichoresis is about, by the way. It's a state of being in, not, not just being with, but being in. All right. So ministry team, I'm just going to turn you loose. <laughs> Last Wednesday night at my house, I think being a Catch the Fire church, people think it's weird sometimes if you're an outsider. And then I think if you've been around a long time, it can become old hat. But we have a saying, more Lord. And it's that, not that the Lord is holding out in any way, shape, or form. It's just our ability to receive the Lord, to receive of His presence. But recently on, on Wednesday nights, we've had just a sweet time where God shows up and our hearts actually respond to Him, crying out to God for more of who He is. And joy just fills the room. So, ministry team, I'm just going to turn the ministry team loose. If you want a touch from God, come up here, do something. Move your body around, cry out for it, ask for it. Come on, don't be shy. Y'all are going to make me open the war chest. <laughs> I'm specifically offending anything in us that gets too religious on purpose. <laughs> you realize that God just loves you? God is fun. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Consumed Church weekly podcast. This entire service and others can be viewed on our Facebook and YouTube channels. If you would like to partner with us in raising the next generation of kingdom bringers, you can do so at theconsumedchurch.com slash give.